Hey, yo, I'm back. Um, the cleansing continued. Working on chapters 9 through 14. I looked under rocks, crevices, up and down the creek and found three water bottles. I filled them with the icy cold creek water and stuck them in my backpack. I thought about taking my machete and cutting out some of the blackberry thicket. Then thought better of it. This area is the only area unspoiled so far, and I would not want looters or undesirables to ruin it. This would be a place to bring a few survivors. I needed to find some light, though I was getting used to seeing in the dark. The next city, town, store, whatever, I really needed to find supplies. A loud explosion ripped through the darkness, only after my initial thought it was not an explosion, but thunder. And I could see streaks of lightning hitting the ground in the distance, but moving my way quickly. A few drops of rain fell from the sky and felt like my skin was burning. Acid rain. I'd not noticed the other blackberry thicket till Nessie ran through it. I had to get out of the weather, and I'm sure Nessie knew of a safe haven. She'd never let me down, and this time was no different. Even though I waded through the creek, getting wet again, and ran through a briar and ran through a briar thicket, I ended up on the inside of a cave. Though I saw no candles, torches, or even fire, I had enough light to see. It was not a massive cave, but a decent size. There were three tunnels leading from the main cavern. I looked around in amazement. It was undisturbed. No fallen rocks, no trash to litter the area, a good place to hold up through the storm, a good place to bring survivors, a good place to live. I could hear Nessie moving around in one of the side rooms, and slowly I entered. Wow, was all I could think of at the time. The creek ran through this part and ended in a small pool off to one side. That in itself was wonderful, but the really amazing part was the fact that Billy, the three kittens, and two hens and a rooster were all sitting quietly by the water's edge. A bed of moss drew my attention. Down on my knees now thanking God for once again loving me protected me, and saving me. It was not long after that I lay down on the mossy bed. I had no worries, nothing to fear, and I slept. Romans eight thirty eight. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Chapter 10. I'm not sure how long I slept, considering it was dark when I went to sleep and still dark when I woke. But that had become a way of life for me. Funny thing is, there was still light in the, in the cave. It never grew brighter. It never dimmed. It was constant. Poor old Nessie was so full of milk, I knew I could no longer avoid milking her. With a sigh, it is really hard to milk a goat. I set about the task of doing just that. Two-liter Pepsi bottle came in handy for the milk, and after it was full, I put the bottle in the creek to keep it cold. It felt so good to have cold milk, Pepsi, and most of all water, though for how long I did not know. That was up to God. I went back into the main cavern and looked around. I walked farther down and around a bend, and it ended. So the main cavern was one huge room, same as the room with the creek and shallow pool. I had two rooms left to explore. I went to the cavern on the left-hand side. 
It was more narrow, but seemed to be longer. The walls were covered in moss and smooth rock, and a little lighter than the other rooms. Then I saw a much brighter light, and the cavern came to an opening in a wildflower field. A rock wall surrounded, so there was no escape, which also meant no admittance. No one could sneak in that way. The only way in or out was the front entrance. Nessie and the other animals must have followed me, and there's no doubt in my mind we were home. Billy and Nessie were munching on wildflowers and tall grass. The hens and roosters were pecking the earth, and the kittens were running and tumbling in the grass. The last room to explore was mostly moss-covered, and the light slightly dimmer. My first thought was the sleeping room. Several people could stay in here. There would not be any privacy, but neither would they be crowded. Our safe haven, our place of peace, the place I would always return to after my long journeys. I could not stop the long sigh that retreated from my lips. Tomorrow, a new journey, a new page of my life. It may already be tomorrow. Like I said, I'm not really sure of time. Not sure of anything, really. Well, except for the fact that I was on a mission. The hen's eggs had been piling up, and I got a very bright idea. If it would work, that is. I went out the front entrance, found some dry pieces of wood, and tried starting a fire by rubbing two sticks together. It's kind of funny if you thought about it. A few miles away was a blazing inferno, yet I could not start a small campfire. Well, at least the wood would be dry. I'm sure I'd find some matches or a lighter or something to bring back. There was a jar of peaches left. For now, they would fill my belly. Mighty tasty, too. Chapter 11 All this alone time had put my mind in overdrive. I had so much free time to think, walk and think, walk and think. That seemed to be my life story now. How far had I walked today? How much have I thought today? I did notice that the sky is getting a little lighter, and in this area, there had been no tremors for a while. Oh, living on a prayer. Take my hand, we will make it, I swear. I remember that. Bon Jovi's living on a prayer. And there's my quandary. I can remember songs, movies, cities, colors. But I cannot remember anything personal. Was it God's way of keeping me from mourning the loss of the family? Or did I ever have one? I know I had to have a mother and a father at one time or another. Or I would not be here. Was I married? Did I have children? No matter how hard I tried, I had no memory or even a feeling of such a thing. Maybe it was best I do not remember. At least it, I, I did not feel hurt or pain over a loss that I know nothing about. I'd walked many miles today. My legs ached something fierce. Before I left the cave, I'd put several bottles of cold water in my backpack, but I'm sure they were no longer cold. I plopped down in the dirt to rest for a minute, but got up a lot quicker. The sand was scorching hot, and I felt tiny vibrations underneath the earth. I knew I knew my mission. I was to save as many people as I could find, as quick as I could find them to take them to the cave. But it was not over yet. There was more to come. We must be ready for the cleansing. What was that? I could hear a scream. A child? Yes, there it was again. Tired legs or not, I had to reach that child. I ran and ran, my sides aching, heat pounding in my skull, sweat running down my face. But I could not stop until I reached my goal. A survivor. A child. 
standing over a man. I grabbed the child and turned him to face me. No one should see the vision that child had seen. The man was too far gone to save. One side of his face was gone, big soldier ants taking him piece by piece. I held the child tightly, shielding him from the nightmare that once was a man. I found out later that man had saved the child's life, and by the looks of his leg, just in time, a small chunk of meat had been cut off. Up ahead, there used to be a city, but now a mix of cities in one. There were several men, women, and children held captive. Their purpose, feed the looters, as in, they are the food. Somehow it fell upon me to rescue these survivors and get them to safety. I fell to my knees to ask God for his guidance and help. And though the sand was still scorching, this time I did not feel it. Psalms 144.2 He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge, who subdues peoples under me. Psalm 18.32.33 It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. And sets me on my high places. Chapter 12 I was faced with a dilemma and really not sure how to handle it. I gave the boy, his name was Johnny, a bottle of water and cautioned him to only take small sips. I was sure he'd love some eggs and fresh cold milk, but I also needed to try and rescue the others. I was walking through a wasteland, desert sands with no trees or weeds for cover, just an occasional rut. I could not leave him here hidden because there was nowhere to hide. If I took him with me, he would slow me and be in danger of capture again. He really needed to have that leg on the mend. It needed medicine and bandage, but that would have to wait. I prayed that there would be no infection. I could always take him back to the cave. He would be safe there. But how many lives would be lost by going back the way I'd come? Well, I guess he must come with me. I just have to watch over him as well as myself. He limped rather painfully and held a grimace upon his lips. Come, hop on my back. I know your leg will hurt, but it will not be as bad as walking. I, I, I cannot go back there. Please, please don't take me back to them. They will eat me. Shh. It's okay, little one. You will be safe. Between me and the good Lord, you will be protected. To be so little, he was rather heavy. He looked to be about five, maybe six. Skinny as a rail. I could feel the ooze from his legs seeping onto my shirt, but I had no other choice. Either way, he was a danger to himself as well as me, though I knew it was not his fault. I not journeyed far when I heard someone yelling, Wait! Hold up! Please wait! I froze. Friend or foe? Johnny started crying and fought against me for release. He was coming from behind, coming from where we had already been. Stop! Please! I could hear the desperation in his voice. I lowered Johnny to the ground, but held his shirt tightly so he would not run. Such was his fear to create a danger to himself. So here I stood waiting on a stranger, one hand on Johnny, and in the other I had gained my machete. I did not think he was evil at the the time. Perhaps he was the answer to to my dilemma. He was closer now. I could see he was hot and tired, but I made no move toward him. Do not worry, Johnny. I got this. Be very still. I let go of his shirt. I was prepared just in case. Well, I was prepared for him, but I was not prepared for what was to happen next. Not prepared at all. Chapter 13 I'd been traveling west when I ran upon Johnny. 
and trouble came from the south. I heard the man scream, or was it Johnny? I do not know. It might have been me. The vibrations started small but became stronger and stronger with each second that passed. Flames shot from the north, but luckily still a distance away. My heart was thumping furiously. Johnny had fallen. He was crying harder now. I knew he was scared, but I did not have time to console him. I grabbed him up off the hot earth, and hurt leg or not, he had to run. The man was also on the ground, and he looked like he had given up. Get up, I shouted. You have to move now. I did not wait to see if he complied. complied. I took off running, half dragging Johnny. Another shake of the earth, and the man jumped up and was trying his best to catch us. There was nothing to burn, nothing but sand, but that did not stop flames from rising underneath the earth. Then it stopped. No more shaking of the earth, no more flames bursting through, just a smothering heat from the aftermath of what went before. Walking on eggshells from day to day, never sure what lay ahead, where to step, and where to sleep. The man of Thylacotus, and I held no fear he would attack. He was too weary as he collapsed at my feet. I dropped to little Johnny practically fell. No one said a word for several minutes. We could not. My breath had long since deserted me, and I knew the other two felt the same. Finally, the man felt he had to introduce himself, and once again, my thoughts were, God sure does work in mysterious ways. Okay. So his name was Tom, and he was a plastic surgeon. But even so, he had an amazing amount of doctoring experience. At least more than I did, and maybe he could help Johnny. Not only Johnny, but other survivors. I told him of the cave, the animals, even the cool water. I gave him a bottle of water, but we ended up sharing. I only had one left because the one I gave Johnny was laying back down the trail somewhere in the dirt or fire. He dropped it when we ran, and I sure could not fault him for it. He looked at Johnny's leg, and as I thought, it had become effective. There was nothing to be done at the moment. Now I had two to watch out for. At least I'd have help with Johnny. We must go. I stood and had to practically pick Johnny up off the ground. Poor little guy. I knew he was tired. And his leg was really sore. But we had no choice in the matter. It was time to move on. We only went a short distance when something compelled me to look back. And I did. I could honestly say I was totally shocked and equally surprised. I had not laughed like that in a long time. My little Nessie my rescuer. So now I knew what God had planned. She would escort Johnny and Tom back to the cave. He could at least clean the wound, and he had a lighter so he could build a fire to sterilize whatever he needed to do. Y'all follow Nessie and be careful. Johnny, you let the doctor treat your leg, okay? Do not give him a hard time on the road. Nessie looked at me as if to say, do you really think I will let him? I laughed. No, Nessie had things well under control. I'll see what supplies I can find and return as soon as I can. We'll await your arrival, ma'am. By the way, you never told me your name. I do not know my name. Besides, it is unimportant. And with that, I turned and walked off. I had no time to chatter over a name, and the truth is, I never really thought about it. I was used to being on my own, and once again, I'm alone, and it felt good. You know, when you walk and think, you lose track of time. Well... I'd already lost track ages ago. I cannot even recall the miles I'd walked, but I guess it really did not matter. That was my mission in life, 
search for survivors. I was coming upon a city. I was not sure which one, because it had many signs from many locations scattered in the dust. I saw no signs of fires, but it was as if an ocean of desert sand had created a massive wave over the area. An eeriness created chills upon my spine, and a deep fear held my mind captive. This place was death. I had the urge to flee. I wanted to run from this place. But as always, God took my hand and walked with me. I no longer felt fear. Everything was topsy-turvy. Cars were piled on top of others, barely sticking out from under the sand. Dead bodies littered the ground, rotting corpses so long in the heap. I could feel their pain. I could hear their deathly screams. Tears for them and prayers. But I continued on. There was nothing to be done for them. There were many articles of clothing scattered about. Shoes as if someone had taken them off and left them as they sat. And a lot of debris. I tripped over many things buried in the sand. It slowed me down but did not stop me. I knew I'd finally made it inside the city. Then I stopped. Took a deep breath. And looked around what once had been the city. There was a service station to my left. It was mostly buried. You could still see part of the inside, and there was still a lot of merchandise in there. I started towards the station, and I knew why I had not been cleaned out. Walking through the drifts of sand was no option. There were sinkholes everywhere, and I did not want to drown in sand. I was already to my knees in sand, and I felt what I thought was a body underneath. I made it out of the drifts and back on the main road. It was also slow going, but better than walking in the drifts. And the distance was, and here I just had to laugh, a Walmart. Yeah, Walmart. It was possible I could make it in there. Here and there it was buried. <clears throat> I would know more when I got closer. I really did not have a plan, just following God's lead. But it really made sense to try the store for supplies. Besides, I was extremely thirsty. I know if there was anything left, it would be hot, but right now I really did not care. I walked the streets cautiously, searching for signs of life. Any kind of sign to find the people the boy spoke of. Not the cannibals, but the survivors. The cannibals kept prisoner. Buildings were toppled to the ground and shards of glass were scattered in the sand, both on top and underneath. No pavement, no grass, no sidewalks. There was only endless miles of sand. Imagine taking a dull brown crayon and covering a whole canvas with that one color. That was what I was seeing. That was the vision before me. More dead bodies, arms hanging from under bricks, legs half covered by fallen walls, and heads cracked open as an egg. There was nothing to be done for them except pray for their souls. There were way too many to bury. Besides, the next windstorm would cover them anyway. The destruction was endless. At least they were not burned alive as in the other places. But then, I guess being buried alive was just as bad. Chapter 14 I made it to Walmart. The sand was not that bad. Not as bad as I first thought. I know I could not carry everything I needed. <clears throat> so I would only take what I could carry in my backpack and a few weapons. I could not make up my mind whether I wanted to be around people or be by myself. I guess it's just the fact that Walmart should be swarming with people, live people. So quiet in here. Maddening quiet. I stood for a minute, thinking of all the children that screamed and fought for a toy 
grabbing them from shelves and the ones that were happy with the toy they got. All the teens that walked aisles, texting friends, doing selfies, and sending pictures of items to their other friends. I grinned when I thought of some of the outfits and all the people that wore the pajamas. Well, that sure made my day. I did not see any immediate danger, and I did need a new outfit. My long skirt had rips and tears. It was terribly dirty. It smelled horrible. I was flipping through the rack and jumped back drawing my machete. In between the skirts was a little boy. He could not have been more than seven, maybe eight. He was holding his fingers to his lips as if telling me to be quiet. He pointed towards the back of the store. I motioned for him to stay where he was, and on silent feet, I moved towards the end of the aisle and looked in the direction he pointed. I almost gave myself away. I know I gagged a dozen times, and I pulled myself back. There were three. Well, not sure what they were. Humans? Mutants? I'm not sure because I did not see their faces, but they were covered in dried blood. That was bad, but the worst thing, they were eating the raw, rotted meat from the meat counter. I eased back to the boy, leaned down, and asked, Are there any more? Not in here, he whispered, but out there. They snuck up on us. I hid. It's okay, little one. Stay here for now. I'll get you out of here. I slid the skirts back around him. You could not even tell anyone was in there. So now what was I to do? Although their backs were to me, as soon as one was down, the other two would look, and I really did not know how fast they were. I had no knowledge of how close the ones outside were, or even how many. So a gun was out of the question, unless... I used my way back to the sports camping section. A BB gun was one alternative, but I must be accurate and quick. I drew in a deep breath and close. If I could just get at least one at the base of the skull, I might be able to use the machete on the other two. I'd have to stay out of reach and hope they did not call to the others. I got a shot off. It hit the base of his skull, but another fell over too. I did not have time to worry over it because the third was enraged and coming at me fast. He was almost upon me when he also fell over. Man, he really was ugly, and his teeth were like shards of glass. All three of them. I approached cautiously as well as my helper. He was tall, probably about six foot three, long black hair, scraggly beard. And that was how he did it. He had a silencer. Thanks for your help. I really was thankful. He just shook his head and grunted. There was no doubt those three were dead. So now back to the boy. He was cowering. I think he was afraid to look for fear it was one of the evil ones. It's me, little one. Do not worry. Those three are dead. He slowly came out from the clothes rack. There was no telling how long he had been in there. He had a hard time standing. Dirty blonde hair looked like it had not been combed in days. But I guess that was a sign of the times. Blue eyes, pretty blue eyes, marred with dark circles from lack of sleep. Tall and very skinny. Looked like he was malnourished, and I would bet he was. He needed the doctor. What is your name? Adam. My name is Adam. So, Adam, do you know where the others are being held? Yeah, they're in the meat locker. I've forgotten the stranger. I turned to speak and he was gone. Perhaps he was hunting the others? I shrugged my shoulders. Oh, well, I have my own agenda. I grabbed a couple of skirts from the rack and stuffed them in my backpack. I went to sporting goods again, and I'd seen a bow and some arrows earlier. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Should have gotten them then, but I did not. Well, now they were mine. Okay, kid, stick close. If you see anything at all, you let me know. I did not think he would have any problem with that. When I said stick close, he really did. I slowly opened the meat locker, weapon at the ready. The smell was horrible. Rotted meat. Some of the survivors were not in the best shape. Well, none of them were. They tried to run and create a panic. Quiet. Do you want more to come or do you want out of here? They settled down and I continued. We need supplies. I looked around. There were two women, one man, and six children. Everyone get a backpack. Fill it with necessary items. By necessary, I mean flashlights, batteries, lighters, matches, water, canned food. As much as you can carry, but no overload. We may have to run. Kids, please, no toys. Not yet. We'll find a mode of transportation soon, and we will come back. Okay. We should move. And please, watch your back. Light was the first thing. I rounded up four flashlights and several packs of batteries. The big packs. I picked up four bottles of water and several knives. Oh yes, I almost forgot. I picked up matches and several packs of bits. We need cigarette lighters. They come in handy. Just like the matches would. The pharmacy was next. Antibiotics, aspirin, bandages, alcohol, more basics. I thought of Johnny and Tom and hoped they were well. I thought Tom might like a blood pressure cuff, so I got one of those too. I downed a bottle of water and hoping I would not get sick from drinking it so fast. I gave Adam a bottle and he downed it as fast as I did. That is all for the moment. I returned later when I found a way to haul the things I needed. The darkness had returned. I do not know if it had become day and now night or if darkness had just now reached this area and would stay. Truth is, I'm tired of the darkness, tired of the loneliness, just plain tired of everything. But I knew I had to continue. <clears throat> After putting batteries in another flashlight, saving the four I had, I gathered the group and we walked out of Walmart. I did not know what all they gathered. All I know was I needed a place to rest for a while. I really did not care what anyone says. God does create miracles. And he has created many for me since the cleansing had begun. And now there was another. He will provide. And he did. Well, thank you for listening i'm hoping you're enjoying it so far sorry about my throat got a little scratchy there for a minute um have a great night and peace i'll have more later bye bye